Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Forward Thinking Podcast. It's Chrissy here from CS2. Today on the podcast, we have our guest, Molly Bodensteiner, and she's the Director of Revenue Operations at Syncree. Um, and today we're going to be talking about a topic that I feel like appeals to every person in marketing operations, revenue operations, any operations role in around technology, and that's how to actually buy technology and procure it and really do it in a way that um, makes sense for the company and that will ensure that that technology is going to last, is sustainable, and then being used effectively. So uh, I think our our other name for this is also how to also uh, not fall into like the shiny object syndrome or end up with shelfware, both of those. <laughs> um, so welcome to the podcast, Molly. It's nice to have you on. Thanks for having me today. Excited to be here. Cool. Uh, so like all of our episodes, I want you to just start with your um, operations origin story for everyone. It's a little bit different. Um, and a lot of us fell into the world of ops. So what's yours? Yeah. So I, you know, very coincidentally really started my career in operations. I was a marketing major in college and had a company hire me as an intern to start building access databases for them. Um, so that's <laughs> weirdly how I, don't ask me why, but it was worked out. Was that in the job description or? <laughs> it, it actually was. And I, oh. you know, took, took a unique chance and, you know, had, had the, the luck of really starting to understand, you know, how data architecture, database, databases work, but, you know, being a marketing major had that creative side to it and started full-time at that company and, you know, was moved into doing their marketing automation at that time, which was really, you know, email, email sends um, years ago, and they made an investment to help me get my Six Sigma green belt and started to really understand process and fell in love with just the concept of automation, operations, analytics from there. And, you know, I've spent the last 12 years in this space. Awesome. And what's kept you in the space? What, what do you love about ops? Like, what do you think appealed to you about like the the job like is that how your brain works do you like data do you like problem solving what what do you think it is yeah i think it's kind of a combination right there's such a there's such a process component to it so the efficiency mm-hmm. factor of how do we how do we continuously improve and make things better right operations is yeah. always going to have that and it's going to keep evolving as more technology comes into place as just buyer behavior consumer behavior changes right that's going to continue to evolve and continue to refine, right? It's not a stagnant career path by any means. You have to continuously be learning and improving and providing value to customers. And then and then the other piece of it is just, um, there's so much just growth potential from here, right? You know, you've mm-hmm. got marketing, sales, CS, product, finance ops, um, revenue operations, everything coming together. So you can be more holistic and continue to impact the business in different ways and grow and learn. And um, expand, which has, you know, kept me really fulfilled. And, you know, at the end of the day, I just really like building cool, sorry, I'm going to say shit, um, <laughs> that really provides value to to the customer, to the business, to the end user. You know, it's one of the few few roles that your internal and external stakeholders, right? So yeah. you're providing value to the organization, but you're also providing a great experience to your customers if you're doing it right. Yeah, definitely. 100%. I think. Um... And you kind of just encapsulated like what I feel like revenue operations, like the goal of that team is um, as much as my opinions of how to actually execute on revenue operations, like just having, I think, 
that big picture, putting all the things together, knowing all the teams now know that need to work together toward this common goal um, and having like an operations team that works together too to support that I think is super important. Um, Regardless of like reporting structure, right? It's breaking down those silos and just really being more holistic in how, how you're operating. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, that's exactly like my theory. It's like you, it doesn't even need to be like a team rolling up into one person, but if you have yourselves, ro- you know, operating as a revenue team, and the operations teams can do the same thing. And I actually think both should be done. Like a revenue team, and rev- like o- not just the operations team should work yep. together. It should be everyone, you know. So, um, so yeah, so. When we had talked about, you know, what we want to talk about today, I loved you brought up having this approach toward buying technology really centered around people, process, and the technology, but having those all in the right balance. So let's just start it off with that. Could you describe, you know, a little bit about what that means for everyone? Yeah. So, I mean, you you hear it time and time again, right? Like your technology should work for your business, right? Your business shouldn't be adopting, adapting to the technology. So like you think about it, like technology is never the solution on its own. It's only as good as the process it supports and the people who execute it. And so, you know, you talk about like a three-legged stool and the other piece I like to add in here is data and putting data kind of nested under process. You know, they've called it the diamond, but I think really data comes into play when you start identifying the process, but you've got your three-legged stool. If one of them overpowers, it gets wobbly. So when you're thinking about, you know, the technology, like it has to start with the people, right? So like, Mm -hmm. do you have the right people? Do you have buy-in? Are are the right roles and responsibilities defined? Do you have the skills and the bandwidth to actually enable this? Um, And really sitting down and like looking at, do I one, have the right people in the room? And two, Mm -hmm. you know, can we actually move, move this forward? Um, And then moving into the process, like, what are you actually trying to do? What are the steps? How does it impact the experience? You know, at the end of the day, like processes are repeatable actions that theoretically produce the same, same results independently, you know, regardless of who performs them. So how do you make sure you've got like that right process defined and what you're really trying to solve for? And the people are bought into that. Um, The other piece is the data, right? Crap in, crap out. Sorry for saying so crap, but a little nicer word here. You can um, say whatever. Uh, <laughs> we're, we, we're, we're a swearing uh, podcast. Perfect. I don't uh, I don't think they make us put explicit on there yet because we're not that big. But, you know. I, I don't want to be the first one. Um, but when you're thinking about, you know, your process, you're defining your process. There's there's kind of twofold here, right? If you're working off data that's not accurate, is stale, unnecessary, you're not going to make the right decisions when it comes to your process. If you can't measure it, you can't improvement prove it. So you've got to have your metrics defined for success, right? Like that becomes like, you know, the, the meat in the sandwich here. And then you move to the technology, like technology enables people supports the process. And Mm -hmm. when you get real data, the right process, the right people, it's then having the right technology to execute the plan. But if you don't have the plan, you're just slapping tech on top of it and hoping, hoping you get an outcome. Yeah. And it's what, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say on that, like, I think that's a really good point. Like if you don't have a plan and if you don't have, and it really means like if you even don't have like a strategy and we see that a lot all the time, what do you think is like a, 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 and I'm probably jumping into early here, but we'll go back to the, uh, uh, your third point, but 
What do you think is one of the biggest reasons why people really struggle to like have a plan or strategy before the technology and go straight to technology first to try and give them a strategy? I think they, it's just, it's hard to explain, right? I think people's brains are so wired to like go to the solution, right? Jump to the solution. Um, Mm -hmm. You think about just the landscape of technology, right? Like Chief Martech's what, 8,000 and, you know, then you've got the sales 1,000. Like there's so much tech, so much noise, like so much, again, shiny object, right? Like I could open my inbox right now and I probably have 20 people trying to sell me something in the space and be that solution for it. Um, and I think then our brain, you know, we, we think our strategy then is going to the solution versus really taking a step back and understanding like what the business is trying to do and mm-hmm. how we get there. The other thing, like I, I've spent a lot of time in my career in operations thinking about, and it's kind of been, kind of been a piece of like, not frustration, but maybe a point of some contention here is like, generally like, the people who are executing on the strategy aren't aren't in the room when the strategic decisions are being made. Yeah. And that's that's been a point I've I've used the analogy of like, you know, I don't have to have a say in the menu, but if you're expecting me to eat leftovers, like I've got to know what I'm having. Um and need to know it before it's time to eat because at the end of the day like you know, I know ops gets called, you know, a support function, an executionary function. We're a backbone function for mm-hmm. businesses, right? Like we're the doers, we're the dream makers, we're the ones who make it happen. And if you guys come up with this plan that you're going to launch this product and you have it all pulled together and you have no idea actually how you're going to get it done, because that's the ops team. That's, I think, where some of the business decisions start to get made almost out of panic of like, we've got to figure this out and we don't really have it defined. And this is the tool we're going to have. And you get the wrong people making the wrong decisions too, because the executors and like really the strategic partners for helping develop again, the process, making sure you've got the right people and defining the technology aren't in the room. Um, Yeah. We, we talk about this like so much and I think it's becoming more and more common uh, recently or like brought up, like even for our own, our own clients at CS2, we try and help position them into a place where they can maybe get into those conversations. But it's really hard to do, right? Like we ultimately, we can't uh, control everything that happens like in in the room, um, like in those rooms. Right. Those are the Zoom rooms probably that are happening, making those strategic decisions. But I do think that where we try and educate of where there would be less pain is, yeah, when your operations team is really part of that conversation. Not only can they let you know if, like, this, those strategies are even, like, you know, executable, I would say, but, like, really does it make sense? Because they're the closest ones usually to the, like, analytics and the data that's showing, oh, yeah. like, oh, will that even, like, matter? Or um, so having those teams as part of that decision-making will just make like less headaches. And this is what happens too. Like you then have, say like a CMO makes a decision to, for X strategy, then they work with their, their, you know, demand gen team or a product marketing team to like create that strategy. Then right at the last second, like you said, it goes to Mops and then Mops ends up being like, oh no, we can't do that. And then everyone gets frustrated with each other because they can't, they're like, what do you mean we can't do that? We need to do that. We need to do this like yesterday. And, and then mops ends up having to like, you know, 
firefight swim there firefight exactly just like throw themselves at it and almost kill themselves and as as like if that keeps happening like they're not going to stay in that job for a long time but the problem is too they'll end up probably going to another organization that's still really struggling with that same thing so um, and then you get a hacky you get a hacky experience right we're all guilty <laughs> yeah. of it it's like we've got to figure it out we're going to hack something together that we're usually going to then have to put manual time behind because we're sticking mm-hmm. a Band-Aid on it and it's going to crush, crush on us and we're going to have to just support it, right? And it's like it provides a bad user experience or a bad internal stakeholder experience and you are you don't have the right thought process in place in terms of like what the analytics are you want out of it and like what the point should be and it's you're just it's slush. Totally, totally, Yeah. Well, I'm glad you took that segue with me. I feel like those are two very key important parts. And I think for any leader who's listening, like a CMO, like it's time to bring your ops teams into those conversations. Um, uh, that's get a strategic to get that advantage. Perspective. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I mean, I always like look at it as like, ask the opinion of somebody on your ops team, right? Mm-hmm. I generally, sometimes the opinions don't get asked, but like ask their perspective. At one company I had the CEO you know, bring me in after I think of about 45 days, right? I was like, what do you see? You know, like, get that opinion from them. Like, maybe it's not the CEO level, but like, leadership should be asking, asking these things, because I think the perspective is just going to be really interesting, because they, they feel the pain, they understand the customers, they're looking at the stakeholders, especially like in RevOps, when you're sitting across teams, you know, one of my I don't know if it was my favorite exercise, or maybe a frustrating exercise it was when OKRs would come out. I'd look mm-hmm. at marketing's OKRs. I'd look at CS's OKRs. I'd look at products OKRs. I'd look at sales OKRs, and I'd be like, "Yeah, none of these go together." <laughs> totally. So it's like, how do you how do you facilitate people actually working cross functionally, not only at a strategic level but also at the tactical level? Yeah, it's really like a a lot of the misalignment can really be controlled at like leadership levels. Mm-hmm. But I will say, like for people who are you know, in a mops role or you're leading revenue ops and stuff like that, like if you feel like you can't control at that level, figure out like what you can control. Like you said, figure out what what everyone's OKRs are and vote yeah. zero in on the revenue team and try to find similarities and distill down like, okay, these are actually what I'm seeing are the top goals and then prioritize. Because the more you're making your decisions based on that, like you can get people more aligned and working together because they're all now executing on common goals yep. <laughs> where it, that really does fall on the the leadership side, in my opinion. But if you like, it doesn't mean doom and gloom if like that's not happening, like maybe to try and position, be a little, a little bit entrepreneurial in your role and try and like be the person like joining everyone right. together. That's a really great advice actually just for someone's career. Yeah. The other part is like reason with logic and not emotion, right? Because I think sometimes yeah. you you see this and you get overwhelmed and frustrated and you lead with emotion. But what I've learned is like if you just lay it out really logically and don't even make mm-hmm. don't even form an opinion or a statement, but just mm-hmm. push it back on like ask ask the obvious question. Right? Mm-hmm. Figure out what the most obvious question is and pose it. And leave it at that because a lot of times they come back, oh, yeah, didn't think about that. Mm-hmm. We should probably loop in, you know, X, Y, and Z and talk through this more. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. okay to ca- like coyly point out the obvious versus like coming in like a bull, right? Totally. Yeah. 
It's a it's very consultative approach. Uh, you can tell that you've done some consulting. <laughs> uh, and let it be let it be to... their idea and know it was yours. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, hundred percent. That's a great way. And you internal people definitely take that approach because like you will like win people over for sure. Um, okay, so we talked about you know the people side, the technology or process, and like obviously we need that around technology, but. How do you apply that framework? Like, especially for you when you've come into your roles and maybe you saw that things were like maybe disjointed or you've, uh, they've acquired tech the wrong way. How do you really start to, um, create a framework for how you acquire technology or even get rid of technology really? Yeah. Like, cause, like, because both are pretty important in this day right now. Right. I mean, the first, the first step is like, the obvious one, but I think we, we miss it a lot. And it's like, document what your current tech stack is. I mean, you don't have mm -hmm. to put, you don't have to put a beautiful flow chart and like how everything maps together. Like those are nice to have, but with the average tech company having about 120 different applications, like it's going to become kind of a spaghetti nightmare. Like get a Google sheet, open up Excel and like start documenting what you have. And don't just think about it within your domain either. Right. If you're in Maps, mm -hmm. you know, go bigger, go across the organization, um, work with IT, finance, like somebody pays the bills. So if you're not mm -hmm. sure what you're getting, like go to finance, right? That's the source of it. You should really understand, you know, what what's our current stack? Because you're gonna you're gonna probably uncover a lot when you do this exercise. You know, I worked at one company and we learned we were paying for a secondary marketing automation platform that was on an auto renewal that no one knew we had, no one had a login to it, anything like that, right? Um, so just super great. Right. Um, yeah. so, and like, uh, and everyone's wondering, how can I get more budget? <laughs> right. Right. Well, maybe we shouldn't be paying for this secondary tool that we're not, we're not using. So, I mean, some companies have like a blissfully and like a centralized application management type tool. You don't, you don't have to have that, but like, you really should have somewhere documented of like, Hey, here, here's the tools that we have. Here's who's accountable for the renewal. Here's when it's renewing. Here's how yeah. it's priced too. Right. So when you think about budgeting and planning and like building out your roadmap for tech, what's my max increase of the contract value? Let's apply that. So we know, you know, this is how much it might cost us next year. These are our growth goals for sales. We know we're going to need more licenses, X, Y, and Z. Mm. Um, the other thing that's big is like the renewal date. And then the I mean, I've, I've got burned on this before, right? Oh, it's not a 30 day renewal. It's a 60 day renewal for cancellation, right? Plug when you need to cancel by and put it on your calendar and also put it, put a buffer in there too, right? Put like three months ahead or depending on what it is, you know, it might be longer. I always say like, do what they're doing. Their CS team is probably getting alerted 90 days before right. renewal at minimum. You should be alerted too. <laughs> right. Get, get your runway. And like the other thing to think about is like, again, not just, it's not just go to market, right? Product, engineering, IT solutions, HR solutions, understand what is at your disposal to use. Because mm -hmm. it's a lot easier to use something you already have than acquire something new, especially when you're trying to like prototype or test or just vet yeah. a concept. See what see what's at your disposal there. Um, and the other thing that I think if you're not doing it right, at least twice a year, have a steering team coming together and understanding kind of what what tech looks like, where you think you're going to increase spend, how that aligns to growth you know, where you identify gaps um, in the platform. So you're having that conversation like more fluidly with, with that stakeholder team 
And it's not just yeah. the surprise, right? Like, and you're going to finance and saying, Hey, I need this, you know, and trying to, trying to ask for budget there, but kind of come together, pull resources, understand how things are adjusting and shifting. And one of the things that I would do just with my internal ops team is once a quarter, we talk about what, what renewals are coming down. So we'd at least start to have those value conversations and understand where gaps were. Um, you know, you don't have to do like formalized like usage analysis, right? But you, you should be doing something to just say like, hey, is this working? Is it meeting our needs? Are people using it? Yes or no? Should we dive yeah. in and have a stronger conversation on it? Yeah. When, um, when thinking about actually making the case for the technology, because you talk about having a steering committee and obviously people listening are at companies of all sizes, like some yep. might have to work with procurement and they're put yeah. through a lot more of like a rigorous process for acquiring technology, but some might work at a startup and literally like, oh, go use our <laughs> credit card, buy it tomorrow, whatever, it's fine. <laughs> um, how... I, I think all the way you talked about it in your approach, it kind of applies to both. But what do you think are kind of the common steps that on, at any level like the are good to take when really trying to make the case for the technology, um, like questions to ask or like because um, I think your steering committee makes sense and I think yep. documenting everything and having a process, but when actually making the case for technology, whether that goes to a procurement team or enforcing it on your team to like work with you even to yep. finally make that decision, what are some of those things that you think would be useful? Yeah. I mean, start with the strategy, right? So where, mm -hmm. where does this you know, technology support the strategy and support the process. Um, mm -hmm. The other piece is like anywhere you can provide data behind it drives a better decision, whether that's cost savings, revenue projections, efficiency, mm -hmm. um, experience, right? How do you align that and talk through, you know, think through it in terms of like the customer experience and the buying cycle and like, how does mm -hmm. that fit in there and really support it and make Make the make the business case not based on the technology, but based on the efficiency or the value that the technology will provide. Um, the other mm -hmm. thing that goes a long way in this is like that you've done your due diligence and you don't have another tool that already does this, or you've yeah. you've actually you know proved a concept as well, right? Yeah. So the other thing you know I've been guilty of this before, right? It's like, oh yeah, we have budget. We buy, we buy the tool and we don't put any thought behind it. Right. Like don't spend mm -hmm. money just to spend money just because you have it. Um, which we know that's like your natural instinct to do. Cause you never know if you're going to get it again, but, <laughs> but figure out like, what's, what's the swag des design that you can use to POC this. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and get some traction behind like, hey, here's what we're seeing. This is how we've tested our hypotheses. This is the results that we've gotten back. Now let's, now let's scale this and mm -hmm. come up with that plan. And it might be, hey, here's, you know, we're going to use this lightweight tool that's going to cost, you know, less than what our procurement cost is to just start to test it. And at the point that it works, like we want sign off to be able to move quick and scale. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That, um, and I think another piece to that too is like, like you said, like you can kind of maybe try and build the technology, build that process that yeah. you normally have for the technology internally with your own resources. And then that'll help you figure out like where, where time efficiencies can be, like yeah. where cost savings can be. It's kind of like if you're going into direct mail, try doing direct mail yourself. 
first. Right. That'll help you uncover of like, oh, can we just continue to do this like this? Or do we actually need a tool to support it instead of just like, oh, we want to do direct mail. Boom. Let's throw in and, and throw this tool on everyone and see if they could use it and if it's going to work out. Like test out direct mail as a channel first. Right. <laughs> see if, see how it impacts the experience. SMS is a big one. Oh yeah, we want to do SMS. Well, maybe you should start gathering opt-ins first and see like what the traction is of the opt-ins. Because if you get the SMS tool and you can't text anybody, it's of no use to you, right? So yeah, or even figure out does your customer even want to text right. with you? Like yeah, I've been getting texts recently, and I'm like, I don't want to text people. Like, <laughs> but if but if it's like a B two C like company, or or even if there's like a certain place for it, yes, maybe that makes sense. But just because you hear, oh, this channel is like working, right. like yes, like you said, get a get a text opt in first, and if you get enough, then maybe do that channel. But in or even figure out a way to gather those insights. Is that a channel that your customers even want to engage with you on? Right. It's like, don't go, don't go zero to 100, right? <laughs> go, go zero to 20 and start there and like incrementally inch up. And that, there's, it's a fine line there too, right? Because yeah. the other thing is, is like, there's an investment when you are implementing technology, but you think about it, if like, if you're a two person, two person company, like, should you go buy Salesforce? Probably not. Right. Like no. who's, who's going to implement it? Who's going to use it? But as you think about implementing like larger larger technologies, your CRM, your MAP, um, those different things, like you've got to think about growth too and factor factor that in because it's it's costly to migrate, right? It's costly to change totally. and, you know, the administrative work on top of that because so much is baked into that. So you want, also want to think about the future um, as well as you grow yeah. into it. But it's kind of one of those things like when do you buy the minivan? Do you buy it when you're pregnant or do you buy it when you have four kids, right? So figuring out like that right, that right fit. Which one did you do? <laughs> um, well, I still don't drive a minivan, but the second we found out we were expecting with our second, we went to the dealership and my husband will probably drive a minivan for the rest of his life. So there's, there's two types of people in the world, right? Myself and my husband. So yeah, I've always been those ones. I was like, do not let me buy a minivan. I don't care how many kids I have. I'll just just give me a bigger SUV. But, you know, um, some people love it. Um, I'm, getting, but, I'm yeah. getting closer to it. <laughs> <laughs> Although I do see people putting their kids in and out of them. And I'm like, wow, that looks so easy. You're not even hitting their head on the door. <laughs> They're not door dinging. That's great, right? <laughs> yeah. One thing that I think comes up a lot uh, too, especially at certain organizations, is you'll have someone come in new, whether it's a CMO, a leader, or even sometimes just like an owner of like, like you know, demand gen or whatever, and they go, I want this tool. I need this to do my job. Like, and they do it, you know, within the first month. How do you tackle conversations like that? I think having your process kind of weeds out some of that, right? But right. when it, when you maybe that person's being really persistent and focusing so much on why they need the tool to execute their job, like what is a good way to combat that? I mean, it's I, I this sounds so crass in saying it. It's like maybe <laughs> maybe you don't know how to do your job the right way, right? Like you've got to be agnostic to this. And this is the other thing. Like I think about when you go into procuring technology, it's requirements, right? You have yeah. to have requirements and be able to do vendor comparisons based on clear requirements that tie back to your process. 
mm-hmm. and making that like, um, I just saw a thread in Slack the other day of somebody who was like, yeah, you know, my CMO argued with me about, you know, why we had to get HubSpot. I really wanted Marketo, but you know, it was HubSpot, HubSpot, HubSpot made the decision and he, he put his resignation in, right? People leave and people change. Like you can't base your technology off of the ebbs and flows of people in the organization, right? You've got to base it off of the process. And when I talk about like, you know, the people concept and the people process technology, it's not Molly likes Marketo, Molly likes HubSpot, Molly likes CRM. It's this is Molly's role. These are her responsibilities. This is what she's accountable for and how she fits into to this, right? It, that, that That's the people piece of it. And so like, you, you can't mm-hmm. make decisions based on people. You also shouldn't buy technology because your friend works at the company, right? Like yeah. you need to make the right decisions for for your customer and for your organization and be really agnostic about that. And like, totally. I mean, that's, you know, I would laugh if somebody came in and is like, yeah, let's uproot our entire thing because I like Salesforce over dynamics. Like, it's like, okay, why? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think also it just means that you, that person thinks that the tools are the strategy and are really struggling yeah. to create strategy. And I think I, I love that you said like not focusing too much on the tool because I think that's just good advice in general for for a career. A lot a lot of times people say to me, oh, like like you said, like, you know, just based on like even working at Marketo or being comfortable with it. Oh, you're going to tell me that I should buy Marketo. I'm like, no, I'm not. I actually just want to let me understand, like, what are your goals? What are the things you want to do? What what like how important is scalability of programs to you? Are you executing a lot of them? Do you want a decentralized model? Do you want a non-decentralized model? Like there's so many things. And then I'll suggest, you know, what would be maybe my opinion, the right fit. But, and for people that just leave because like they don't want to use a new tool, in my opinion, operations, that's a, that's a tough way of looking at it. What happens if that tool becomes obsolete and you're right. just known for using that tool? You don't want your career to be obsolete. <laughs> right. It's, you know, so when you think about it, if like you're a marketing automation expert, right? You should, you're not, a, you shouldn't be an expert in, you should be an expert in the tool, right? But like, you should really be an expert in, in the fundamentals and the strategy in what, what you're trying to do, regardless of the tool, like really being platform agnostic and being able to apply practices that go into it based on whatever tool you use. Totally. Yeah. I I agree. And I think that's for everyone. Like, don't get so focused on, like, specific tools. Um, just be focused on the specific strategies and outcomes that those tools can do. Right. I think that's kind of what you're saying here. Like, tracking the outcome, what the process is going to be like, you know, matching that to a tool that really makes sense. Um, it's all who's going to be using it. Do we have enough people to use it? Because it's not like, oh, you add on a tool and then that's it. Like it needs to be maintained. And so it could be that your, your whole team needs to adjust to that. Are we, are we getting value out of it? Right? Like are people actually using it? I mean, it's just, it's, it seems really obvious, but I think we get so, we're moving so quick. We're not ever like sitting back and reflecting. And it's like really forcing that evaluation and that reflection of like, is this doing what we really need it to do? And like, one of the things that I've thought about in my career is like, you think about like, do we need a tool for this? What do we have this? Like sit and spend a week and like log what you spend your time doing. Right. And I know it's like, it's a tedious thing. And it like, 
it's so hard, but like when you go back and reflect on like, oh, here's where I'm really spending my time. Should I be spending my time doing this? Like mm-hmm. even just like non-technical things of like, these are people who are asking me questions about how to do X, Y, and Z. Where's that missed enablement? And I'm spending my time here. But take and do some of that reflection. And, you know, it's it's hard because when you think about like, should we automate? Should we buy a tool for this? Or should we do it manually? Like there's things that happen weekly, monthly, quarterly, and like trying to document those out, but like really spend the time, like looking at how you're spending your time, which is like such a weird way of saying it, but that starts to uncover, like maybe where you have gaps or where you're trying to like bandaid or force something that you shouldn't really be forcing, or you shouldn't be doing manually, but you just get so in the weeds of doing and like trying to like check the box and keep it moving that it becomes just so ingrained in your process that you're not reflecting back on why am I doing this? Yeah. I think that's great advice. Um, the, I think to end, I, I, I wanted to just get your kind of opinion. We always ask people like, what, what do you think is like the one thing they're doing wrong with XIC? But we talked about a lot of things that people are doing wrong when um, trying to buy new technology. But what do you think are kind of like the, like the big common uh, kind of like missteps you see um, from a marketing ops perspective when building, like when maintaining a tech stack. And um, it could be what we've already talked about, but, um, and, and maybe like, maybe we die it down just to the person operations. Cause a lot of what we've talked about really is like working, you know, depending on a lot of things going on, but what do you think is the kind of one thing that people are doing wrong? Yeah, I'm going to give you two. So sorry about that. Yeah. I think I think one of the biggest, biggest gaps, um, people aren't thinking about the customer experience first, right? It's become either becomes more self-serving um, and internally mm-hmm. and not thinking about kind of the bigger picture. So really thinking about the experience that it's providing and how you align that. So more of like the process piece, I think, ten, tends to get missed and tends to not spend time time on. Um, and then I think the other big mistake, I'm going to say like misstep, I'm going to call it a misstep and not a mistake is like, yeah, not selling the strategy and like getting your internal cheerleaders for you. Mm-hmm. Right. Like it should be your best friend, like build a relationship, build advocates there. Like they are going to help support you from application procurement. Um, some of the best negotiations I've had where I get to be good cop and they come in and be bad cop has been with an it counterpart of helping get the best deal, the right negotiations. The other thing is like, generally, if you're bringing on a new technology, you might need some help from somebody in IT, pending the organization, whether it's IT or data engineering, when you think about like, how's this going to integrate? What's this all going to look like? So build yeah. those relationships, have them become cheerleaders, help them have them help you sell, sell the strategy of what you need and why you need it. Um, and think outside, think outside of your, your, your domain, right? Because I think that cross-functional relationship tends to be helpful. And whether it's IT or engineering or whoever that person is in the organization, procurement, right? Just build those right, the right relationships for people who can help support you in selling it. And yeah, I will say too, the funny thing is like, you look away, people um, take the steps that they do when they're using their own money. So like, you know, you're about to buy a car or you're about to do, like people personally will, you know, 
Go do all the research. Talk to people. Test yep. drive it. Test drive it again. Do all the math. Are we going to be able to afford this um, payment every month? What happens like if we add on this to our life? Are we still going to be able to pay for it? Right. Are we going to be able to grow into it? What happens if we have kids? Do does our dog fit in it? You know, all those things. Are what's our What's play. are we going to keep it for five years? Are we going to keep <laughs> it for two months? Should we lease it? Should we buy it? Right. Like. Yeah, but then that same person sometimes will go into an org and literally not do any of that due diligence. And so I think one great way to think about it is like, imagine this is like your money. Right. Like the year, like years, this is your money, not just the company's money. We're not playing with pretend money. It's still real money. And it's your money. Because also this yeah. this comes out of the same pot for resources. If you want a head count, well, you know, it's still coming out of that same pot that all that technology is coming out of. So you want to be really diligent and mindful of like where their dollars are going. So take the same approach that you do and 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 educate everyone around yeah. you. Like, yes, guys, like just because we have this budget and we know we need to use it doesn't mean we need to use it, like you said, the wrong way. Like, like right. let's have due diligence. Like this, this is a big decision. And set the right expectations too for outcomes, right? Like just because yeah. you you buy it doesn't mean it flips a switch and it magically works, right? So like, mm -hmm. what's the right resourcing that has to go into it? When do we think we're going to get an ROI on it, right? How are we going to evaluate it and say that it actually actually worked and met our needs? Again, goes back to defining what those requirements are and what those expectations are, but make sure you're communicating those expectations as well. Yeah, I'll, I'll say my one thing that I think is a misstep too is um, not putting kind of like almost thinking of like you need like an internal campaign around a technology, especially for certain technologies that need massive education up front before you even sign the dotted line. And tools like that to me are always things like attribution tools, yep. data tools, anything that's really like, you know, is has this um, education piece that people need in order to know like how it's used, why it's used that way. Um, if you don't go in with that and set the stage and really make it 100% clear, like you're never going to get people bought on board. Like it's just not going to stick. And there's going to be confusion and, you know, the line item is going to come up. Why do we have this? Right? Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's one of those things like sometimes the people who own the budget shouldn't be making the decision. So how do you make sure you, you get that right, that right cadence, the right flow and the right expectations around it too? Totally. Well, I love this conversation. We're a little bit over time, but um, I think for everyone, there's so many great pieces here. I think like putting more of a process, really thinking about the people, documenting everything first, seeing what needs to go, what you can keep, what can be reused, how to make cases, focusing on outcomes, and really getting the like a buy-in and and selling like you know like why it's really gonna you know drive the outcome of what we need and you know, that and much more, but all of those I think are super important uh, to maintain a tech, tech stack that really works and really doesn't just drive your ops team crazy uh, <laughs> and doesn't leave you an egg on your face as well when it comes down to like all these renewals and uh, technology going on a shelf and not being used. So thank you so much, Molly, for joining today. Um, we're going to link to your LinkedIn profile and um, Molly uh, works at Syncery, which is uh, lucky for her. She's working at a company that actually knows the value of operations and sells to um, RevOps folks and operators. So um, yeah, is there anything you want to plug around Syncery or where people can learn more about like you, uh, connect with you on LinkedIn? What, what do you think is best? 
yeah, connect, connect with me on LinkedIn, reach out. I'd love to share, you know, how we're using Syncery just to make my life easier and our ops life easier too. I mean, we buy all these point solutions that don't talk to each other and really don't centralize the customer, you know, customer data first. And that's one of the things that Syncery is really helping to solve. So reach out, happy to share more. Awesome. Well, if you enjoyed this episode, feel free to share it with your colleagues and friends or leave a review and we'll see you all on the next episode of Forward Thinking. Have a good one. Thanks, Molly. Thank you.